Ranga program, I suppose we better say Clark or Jean in you, Porik Jirich, uh, or Falter Roth, even. And uh, I suppose we better say Banakthi Fela Porik to you. Absolutely. If, Thank if you very much. Nobody else today, Thank your you special much. day. Uh, welcome. Gardening for Gardening. St. Patrick's Day weekend. Yeah, and it's yeah. promised that the, the, the weather forecast certainly is cold winds, those easterly winds. There's no sign of spring just yet, is there? No, although, although, I did think, where was I yesterday? And I saw one of the, not the white thorn, exactly. Exactly, but something Blackthorn. like Blackthorn. In flower. In flower. Yeah. And I thought, aha, I said, here's spring. Spring is it coming. And there are some daffodils. There are, of and course. And so there's a tiny bit of colour creeping in. Uh, but yeah, I suppose it's probably going to get halted in its tracks now. Yeah. That is not the best forecast by any means that we've given you there. No. Um, so And frosty weather at night time yeah. and, and all of that. So people just need to watch out for, I suppose, things, the small little, if they've sown any bedding plants or the plants in the greenhouses, you know, to cover them with fleece, in particularly when we're into to frosty nights just keep the frost off tender plants if you've got plants in flower like camellias that may have come into flower early <clears throat> you could certainly cover those as well with a bit of garden fleece and that'll just keep the heavy frost off them Okay. so early flowering shrubs they could be particularly if you've got something choice in a pot and you just want to protect it it's a good idea to um, to cover it with a bit of garden fleece and that'll keep the temperatures a couple of degrees higher than they normally would be yeah. so particularly in greenhouses and tunnels if you've got young seedlings or young plants say tomato plants something like that no harm just to throw a bit of fleece over them you can leave the fleece on for several days even a week because it's so light it's a very light fibre it allows the light to get in the moisture get through it's breathable so the plants can breathe underneath it <clears throat> so it can be left on for several days until the, the temperatures start to pick up again um, but we are seeing the early signs of spring certainly plants like forsythiae um, the skimmias are coming into flower camellias are in flower at the moment and those early flowering plants are beginning to, to bloom and even if they get a little bit of damage a little bit of frost damage Mm. It's only a temporary setback. There's plenty of buds to come through. So plants like camellias tend to have, they tend to be in full flower now, but there's tend to be lots of buds to come forward yet. Um, so I suppose it's really just to keep an eye out for those tender, tender plants. plants right. um, and, and just be mindful <clears throat> and not to get, even if there is a little bit of maybe browning or a small bit of damage, uh, it will only be small. And it ho- will. Hopefully this is just for and, a couple of days. And any evergreen shrubs that may have got, say, a bit of leaf scorch mm. in that over the, you know, the last couple of weeks, that'll all um, disappear over the next, you know, as we come into new, get new growth and we start feeding plants and so on. So nothing really to worry about, but it is very late the spring this year, yeah. certainly. Okay, and um, we're, I think we're all in need of it nearly at this stage. We stage, are indeed. So, yeah, hopefully but before too long. But Sim- we're, going, we're going to talk about potatoes. We a are, bit. because St. Patrick's Day is, is traditionally, I suppose, the mark in the sand, the 17th of March, is, is the time traditionally when people start thinking about planting potatoes, particularly the early varieties, varieties like Orla or Colleen or Red Duke of York, all those really first early varieties that we don't get to buy in the shops now. Uh, but are fantastic in terms of flavour and are so easy to grow. Now, I'm not advocating that people go out today and start planting, Mm. but it is the time of year to start selecting the varieties and start sprouting them, keeping them indoors, say in a tray. I brought you actually in a couple of varieties just to show you, but a simple tray like that left on a bright windowsill will initiate some new growth or new sprouts on potatoes and then they can be planted out in a couple of weeks' time, so in two or three weeks' time. You can plant potatoes right up until the end of May, Mm -hmm. believe it or not. So um, really at this time of year, it's more about kind of getting them started 
uh, putting them on a bright windowsill, getting those buds initiated, and uh, particularly the early varieties. You know, I'd advise listeners to to consider some of those, particularly the Irish varieties like Orla and Collin are two excellent varieties. They're blight resistant, um, fantastic flavour. They're bred here in Ireland, so they're bred for the Irish palate, so they tend to be very flowery, very good on flavour and have excellent blight resistance. Red Duke of York is another really great variety. It's voted pretty much every year the best uh, early potato for flavour. And it's actually what we call a sport. It's a sport from the normal Duke of York, which Mm. is a traditional old variety. So this was a, a rogue stem or a rogue tuber um, so the traditional variety re- uh, the regular Duke of York is a, a yellow skinned potato on the outside the red Duke of York as the name suggests is red it's very like a rooster or satanta potato but it's a very early variety but it's a particularly good one and, and it's excellent for growing in pots containers um, you know like in a confined areas or in a tunnel area or greenhouse and that's something that listeners can do if you have got some old buckets or pots or refuse sacks even put some compost into them and you can actually start growing right. early varieties particularly in a protected area like a, a cold frame or a, a tunnel greenhouse um, you know a, a, somewhere bright maybe a porch even okay. or a balcony and, and start them off early and it's a great way even for children to grow potato varieties particularly the er, early varieties so some of the ones I brought yeah, so in yeah, we, we've got a selection there I, I, brought know, you I know we have a, a bank of screens in front a whole of mix um, oh yeah they look really good ones so, and, so and a rooster is that a rooster I see no, no? Th- this is actually Satanta it's very That's similar okay. to rooster rooster uh, rooster is actually one of its parents so again this is a, a, an Irish variety rooster is one of the parents and Satanta is better than rooster in that it has excellent blight resistance it's rather than yellow flesh it's actually got white flesh and um, it stores extremely well so that's one that was harvested in August September last year and it has stored exceptionally well hasn't sprouted so it holds its it's actually it holds its shape right through the winter period so Satanta I've I've promoted it before um, on the programme because it's excellent in terms of blight resistance it's really a great variety for growing if you want you don't want to spray the foliage so um, very good both tuber and leaf uh, blight resistance, mm-hmm. very easy to grow, really does well in the west of Ireland. The other ones I brought, I yeah. brought two um, salad varieties. So this is one called Charolotte, which again is very good for um, salad potatoes. So okay, they're kind so, of more so waxy. waxy, yeah. And waxy. they're, I suppose, a little bit, they're kind of smaller they're as well. They're smaller in, yeah. in size, yeah. Again, they're very suitable for growing in tubs, containers, um, in greenhouses, in, in confined areas. You get quite a, a big crop from that. Um, that's Charolotte. And this one is called Foremost which is, again, it's actually a very short-stemmed variety. So the stem on it only grows about 18 inches to 2 feet. So again, very good for growing in confined spaces. Okay, and also a, a, a salad type of one, it is, is it? It's, okay, it yeah. is, yeah. it's actually, I have to be honest, it's quite perfect looking. It's very round and smooth. Isn't it? Yeah, and it's um, just a, a nice size variety. And also, if you, if you boil that particular variety, it doesn't disintegrate. So it's one of those that actually hold their shape very well. So that's one called Foremost. does very well in containers and confined areas. Um, And this one then is one called Desiri, this one here, which again is quite a nice variety, large tubers, very good on flavour. It's actually a slug resistant variety. So for listeners, yeah, so for listeners that have problems with slugs, in the garden, particularly on potatoes, um, that's one to Desiri is one to to grow. It's it's very very good, very easy to grow, and again great flavour, but um, excellent against 
or has particularly good slug resistance so that's one I'd, I'd recommend but there are other good varieties Blue Danube is another one that I mentioned last year that people had great success with it's purple that's, yes so the, the outer skin is a purple coating or, or colouring and the flesh is white inside Very, it's a flowery variety again very much for the Irish palate good disease resistance as well and they're varieties that you just don't get to buy as potatoes in the in the supermarket okay. so Blue Danube is another good one that I'd recommend Satanta we've already mentioned King Edwards they're available at the moment an old favourite variety particularly good again for slug resistance um, it actually has purple flowers many of the, the uh, potato varieties have, have white flowers but King Edwards have those lovely purple flowers when they come into bloom it's a main crop variety um, particularly good for baking because it produces very large potatoes so there yes. are people that like baking potatoes they're particularly good and um, also good for for chipping as well and um, so K- king edwards blue danube satanta that i mentioned desiree are very good and then for the first earlies consider orla red duke of york um foremost if you want to grow one for the salads <coughs> but really i suppose my advice is this is the time of year to select the varieties it is too cold to be planting them out of doors but certainly get them sprouted that'll initiate growth and do that in a bright location so a garage with a bright windowsill you could put them in a greenhouse with a bright window you know with with plenty of light Mm -hmm. um, and just get the buds started with a view to planting them out in two or three weeks time okay perfect Uh, now we also have some plants uh, for St. Patrick's Day and of course we're wearing our shamrock from last Saturday we are indeed and it is traditional I I, I was listening to you on the way up and and there's quite a lot of weddings a huge amount today yes Um, if memory serves me right I think St. Patrick's Day is favoured by brides because it's in the middle of Lent and it's one of those days that uh, you can actually... Oh, it's kind of an exception day. It's an exception day, yeah. You can have a feast and enjoy a few drinks oh, and during the Lenting period. That would so make I sense. think that's why it's so popular. But it is also tradition that brides have in their bouquets a piece of Irish shamrock. Which that is actually a, tradition. a lovely thing Isn't when it? you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and it, and it uh, celebrates the day. Um, and of course, we featured the, the shamrock last week. It's the uh, Irish shamrock is actually yellow clover. Yes, from the so, clover family. The I, clover did, family. I, did, I did remember that bit. Not all clovers are shamrock? No. But the, the yellow but shamrock. But all shamrock is clover. Yeah, it is indeed. <laughs> and an interesting study was done by um, Charles Nelson, who was the curator. He was actually the curator of the Botanic Gardens when I was there as a student in the 80s. And he did an interesting study where he got people from all over Ireland to send what they considered shamrock into the Botanic Gardens. And they, they actually grew the plants, let them flower, because it's the only way you can identify what the actual true species of the plant is by, the, by its flower, okay, by right. its flower. That's the way we, we um, identify plants. And he found that the yellow clover was indeed the most popular um, variety of shamrock because people use things like oxalis, which is wood sorrel, which has leaves like a shamrock, right. but it grows in wood in wooded areas. Uh, they've used white clover, they've used red clover. So anything that had three leaves on it was considered a shamrock. So, so he, he so spent, when is a shamrock not a shamrock? Well, like that that was it. So he he uh, and I suppose look at the end of the day, I suppose plants that have three leaves could be considered shamrock. But he identified that I suppose the most popular plant in Ireland uh, was the three. Or was the yellow flowering clover uh, Trifolium dubium? So that's the, the that official is the official. Form of and then Chagas Chagas went on to I suppose um, certify that commercially that's the plant. So that's the plant to be used for shamrock. So the plant that went to by Leo Varadkar to the White House mm-hmm. this week 
was a plant called Trifolium dubium, the yellow flowering clover. Shower, or clover, sorry. Clover. Okay, right. So there you go. <laughs> so many names, so many names. And, and they tell me that one in 10,000 shamrock plants has four leaves or will produce four leaves. So does that one mean... One in 10,000. One in 10,000. So if we have a shamrock with four leaves, does that mean it's no longer a shamrock or... <laughs> that's a very Sorry, good question. Very philosophical that's a very a good... Sudden. That's very deep, <laughs> dear, to this hour of the morning. But, okay, uh, we'll move on we to, to non-shamrock. Uh, well, it happens in all the clover right. family that generally one in 10,000 uh, clovers... And they say that the four-leaf clover is, of course, lucky. Oh yes, of course. You know, it's, it's the lucky right. symbol to have a four-leaf clover. So hopefully, oh, yeah. so, so hopefully today in Ireland, so check, somebody check your little sprig of shamrock today and see. Yeah, that. I mean, and somebody have might have that lucky leaves. shamrock, and, it might and be, if they do, you know, the lotto is calling or whatever. Well, it might be a good om- o- yeah, omen yeah. for the, um, for the, for the day, match. Yeah. For the match. For the match. Today. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. All, so kind, there you go. all kinds of signifiers on the program this morning. So that's shamrock. What have we got else? So I brought again. I was round wise. Yeah, just round the garden centre last night, looking at some attractive plants. Plants that are giving a bit of colour at the moment. Moment. Two plants which are in the same family caught my eye. So one of them is this one here is called Katsuru or Pieris Katsuru. Oh, isn't uh, that lovely? Isn't it lovely with the pink flowers? Oh, I thought it was that really is nice. Lovely, yes. So we normally associate the Pieris family with Forest Flame, which has got that lovely red, vivid leaf colour in April and early May. But this is in the same family. One called Katsuru uh, comes to us from Japan of all places, and uh, but it's got fantastic lovely pink flowers at this time of year. Now, they, those flowers have actually been on the plant since last autumn as tight little buds. And during the winter period, and particularly as we come into spring, they start to open and start to show and reveal their colour. So you can see them in flower mm. just at the moment. Once the flower goes off the plant, you get the new growth and the new growth is a vivid red colour. So it contrasts beautifully against the dark green foliage. So it's an evergreen shrub, green foliage in the winter period, lovely pink flowers at this time of year in March and, and early April. And then once the flower goes off, it kicks into growth and you get this fantastic blaze of red foliage from the plant, which lasts well into June or July. So all the young growth produces a vivid red colour. You can see actually a picture of it there. there yes. Beautiful plant. So this one is one called Katsuru. Um, it's uh, in the in the forest flame or, or the Pieris family. A great plant for a pot or container. It doesn't get too big, about two, maybe three feet at most, and just makes a really easy plant to grow in the garden. I've it planted at home in, in amongst heathers, and it does just really well. It, after maybe eight or nine years, it's only about two feet high, two and a half feet high, by, by maybe a similar width. So mm. it's a bushy, bushy kind of for, compact little plant, loads of flower, loads of leaf colour. It's just a really nice nice, tasty plant. So how long do the flowers last then? Well, as I say, the flower actually comes on the plant in October, Mm. November. It stays as a tight bud and then it starts to open. And because the weather is cold at the moment, the flower will actually last longer. So I would expect it to stay in bloom certainly till the end of April. So you get at least another six weeks of flower colour and then as soon as the, the flower starts to go, the new growth starts in April and it carries on to the end of June. Okay, so a great option really if you're looking for something with a little bit of uh, colour and some flower in the earlier part of the year when things are pretty raw looking. Yeah, all, yeah at overall, this time of year yeah. it's lovely, but particularly in the springtime that's when people absolutely go mad for this yeah, plant because it's, it's absolutely stunning as we go into April and, and May. In the same family is again another flowering mm-hmm. Pieris and this was one called White Pearl which again 
as the name suggests, it's a it's a white flowering version. The Katsuru is pink. This is a white flowering version. Again, lots of flower buds. Uh, yeah. Again, lovely foliage colour as well as we come into the spring. It's evergreen, so you've got colour 12 months a year. So that, again, it, very easy plants to grow. Very suitable for containers in particular, or if you have a nice little heather bed or a small bed, you want to add a bit of colour. Okay. The other plant I brought is actually a rhododendron. But oh. I thought it was very unusual. The leaf colour is fantastic. Isn't it's, it just? It's entirely it? uh, under the underneath part is is a really rich red colour, yeah. a ruby colour almost, and then the outer part of the leaf is fully green. It is a really dark. Or the green. upper part of it, yeah. A very very rich green, and so it's a lovely contrast between the purple or reddish foliage underneath and the green on top. But it's got spectacular pink flowers again in April. Um, April, early May yeah. is when this particular variety comes into flower. So it's one called Wine and Roses. Oh, well, that makes sense. It makes <laughs> it very simple. Wine and Roses. So you've got the wine-coloured leaves and you've got the beautiful pink flowers. And, and the flowers, you can see the flower buds already on this particular variety. Yes. They're, they're going to be, uh, there's at least 30 or 40 flowers. So it's going to be a, a blaze of colour when it comes into bloom. And the flowers are quite large and as well. Okay. So that's Rhododendron. Wine and roses. It doesn't require acid soil, so again, it would be very suitable in a tub or container, or if you've got a bed with heather's and other um, ericaceous plants or lime um, acid-loving plants. This will do particularly well. Or people that live down towards um, Ackle Mulrani, seaside areas, yeah, seaside areas, or or um, where you've got that boggy soil, it'll do it particularly well. So there are three just nice little plants that are. Uh, just coming into flower and adding a bit of colour yeah. as we go into uh, the latter part of, of March. There are other other great plants in flower at the moment, like the forsythia that I mentioned, that lovely bright yellow flowering shrub. It's a really easy shrub to grow. If you want something really simple, a starter garden plant to put into your, if you're just starting out gardening and you haven't got those green fingers and you yes. want just a really simple plant to grow then yellow, yellow forsythia is a really lovely plant and, and so easy to grow but there's lots of good plants and as we go into the next couple of weeks certainly you can plant you know planting conditions okay. will improve and you can put the get the shrubs back into the ground Great stuff. Right, we're going to start off uh, with a caller who wants to sow vegetables but wants to kill off the weeds first. It's Anne. Good morning to Anne. Okay, well, look at this. There's two ways you can do it. First of all, um, it's a little early yet, Anne, to go to go spraying off because the, the weeds that are there from last year are tough and robust and the leaves are quite leathery at the moment so you won't find weed killers very effective until there's some new growth. So my advice really is just to leave that vegetable patch alone for the moment for at least another two or three weeks and then you could use something like um, Weed Free 360 which will eliminate any broadleaf weeds that you have there and grasses without contaminating the soil so you can safely spray it off. A trick we often use is actually to get the ridges or the, the soil ready so actually to till the soil first of all create the ridges once the soil dries out of course and then leave them for two to three weeks and allow any weeds that are going to come to come and then treat them with a garden hoe, give them a light hoeing off, or put on the treatment, the Weed Free 360. And um, that's called the stale bed technique, which is uh, an old method, an old gardening method for, I suppose, just eliminating those, those early weed seedlings. Because once you start to till the soil, you're actually bringing young, new weed seeds up to the surface. So a good idea is just to get the area ready now mm -hmm. and then leave it for a couple of weeks, let the weeds show themselves, then treat them, either with the garden hoe or use one of the, the uh, safer uh, treatments and then put your vegetable plants in and at least you've eliminated then 80% of the weeds that are going to surface anyway. Okay, 
great. Now, uh, a listener has the brown clay pots. I presume you mean the terracotta pots. Uh, they have green scum coating on the surface. What can I do to get rid of that green Not coating? Not surprised after the winter we've had yeah, and all the rain. I suppose it's really moss. It's algae and moss. It's algae and moss, really. yeah. yeah. So w- one of the things to, to remember is to, plants shouldn't be sitting in saucers. If you've got plants out of doors um, in, sitting in saucers, take them out of those because people often forget that, that over the winter though they, the sausage just fill up and they keep the pot extremely wet, the roots very wet of plants and when we get frosty weather that can cause problems. So right. first of all, maybe elevate the pots if you can and, and that'll help the drainage of the pots. And secondly, you can either just power hose off the um, the algae or you can uh, put on something like the pack or even a bleach would take yeah. the the algae off. So just wash them down. It'll dry up anyway over the next, you know, as we get into April and May, that, that algae will actually dry and, and, and die on the pot, for a better word. It's just because as we're coming through winter, the pots are so wet at the moment that algae is blooming mm. on them. So either use a, a light bit of parazone or, or one of the detergents and, and wash it down. Um, but certainly elevating the pots and taking them up off the wet ground will aid drainage and dry up that algae by April or early May. Okay, perfect. It's not going to do the pot any damage. I think mm. it looks great. I think it's, it gives that yeah. kind of uh, sort Doesn't of uh, a sort of a shabby Country chic yard. antique yes. uh, yeah. feel it to does. the job. Yeah, yeah. I do think it adds to it a little yeah. bit myself. But I suppose that it's personal choice. It's it personal is. choice. Um, okay. Uh, sorry, just a request that squeezed in there. Now, um, I want to get rid of a few shrubs. I'd like to kill them off, but I can't dig them up. How do I go Lots about it? killing this morning, <laughs> My goodness, we're, we're itching to get well, depending, going. Well, depending what they are, some yeah. shrubs, if you cut them back to ground level, won't shoot again. Some will. So plants like spireas have the ability to reshoot again or buddleias, if you cut them hard yeah. back, they just come back up again. So look, at my advice is actually to, if you want to get rid of them, cut them to soil level leave them for several weeks. If you want even to put a bit of fertiliser on them, I know that sounds counterintuitive, but if you put a bit of fertiliser on, you'll encourage them to kick back into growth. That growth will be very soft, very susceptible to a treatment. And again, you can use the Weed Free 360, which will kill off the shrub without contaminating the soil. Now, you need to have at least 6 to 12 inches of new growth on the plants before you do that. So go out today, cut them to ground level, put a little bit of fertiliser on the base, them, leave them for four or five weeks, let them regrow if they're going to grow, and then treat them, and that will kill them off stone dead. Excellent. Now, rhubarb, uh, always a favourite, I think, of people. It's a bit slow this year, as it I is. suppose a lot of things are. Must they be are. the cold weather observes that yeah. texture. Can I push it along with some food type? What might I use? Okay, well, <laughs> by all... <laughs> push it along a little bit. <laughs> um, so with rhubarb... Two things you can do here. One is you can actually cover the rhubarb with an old dustbin or container. Anything that will exclude light will get the rhubarb to actually grow twice as quickly because you're excluding the light. The rhubarb thinks it's still underground and and will force its way through. So we call that the forcing of rhubarb. Uh, If you go down to, um, I was in Doreen Allen's place a couple of years back and they used lovely terracotta um, jars to force the rhubarb and the artichokes down there. So you can use something very sophisticated like okay. that if you want. Or an old pot would work, an old terracotta pot or a refuse bin, anything that will blacken out the light from the rhubarb plant. It'll respond then by kicking into growth. That's one way of forcing it. The second way is to put on some fertiliser and you could use something like the Osmo Pro 6 or one of the granulated feeds around the base web. But that'll depend on the weather. The, the fertiliser will only be of benefit if the weather improves and the temperatures increase and the plant will take up that nutrition and force its way on. Um, so 
A great way is to force it is to exclude light. So a simple pot put over there, clump of rhubarb, will for examine it in about three weeks' time, it'll be ready, ready for picking. Okay, excellent. Now we have a privet hedge planted last year. Um, so listeners wondering when should I use fertilizers and what would you recommend? Right, well hedges in general uh, at this time of year and wait until the kind of cold snap fades and so maybe next week kind of early next week Wednesday, Thursday of next week one thing to do is to trim hedges back to tip them back to so even off the height even though you might be only taking three or four inches of growth off the sides and tops this is the time of year to trim them back and tidy them up before they come into growth and then put on a granulated feed. So again, the Osmo Pro 6 would be ideal or a tree and shrub fertiliser or granulated fertiliser. Keep it out to the width of the privet hedge. Mm. So if it is extended out a foot from the main stem, keep the fertiliser and try and put it both front and back. Now remember, privet is pretty vigorous anyway, so you don't need to overfeed it. So my advice really, if you've got laurel, escalonia, grisolinia or privet in the garden, give it a haircut, tidy them back now and then put on the feed and within a couple of weeks they'll be back into new growth. The trimming back helps to stimulate new growth and it helps to fill in the hedge and tighten it up. So rather than leaving it for five or six weeks and then cutting it because you're wasting all that growth, that's the idea of tipping it back and trimming it back now. All that energy will go inwards and fill up the hedge and tighten it up. Okay, and of course that's applicable not just to privet hedges but to all hedges. All hedges, grisolineal, beech, the whole lot. This is the time of year. In the next week or ten days, whenever you get a nice fine day, pop out and give it a, a small bit of a haircut. Now, we talked a little bit about, well, we talked a bit about potatoes there uh, at the start of the programme. Um, a listener wondering about suggestions for suitable potatoes to grow in a raised bed in my plastic tunnel. Something easy, please, as they're a first-timer. OK, well, any of the ones I mentioned are actually quite easy. That um, foremost is quite good because it's got a short stem that I mentioned. Now, remember, it is a salad potato. Some people don't like salad potatoes. They, they tend to be waxy and all that. Uh, if you want a flowery variety, Orla, Collier, Red Duke of York and um, they're excellent I had lovely, a lovely actually dinner of um, records there a couple of weeks Ooh, back I hadn't seen them for a long time uh, grown in Athenry and uh, they were absolutely they beautiful. are nice oh, they're, 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 they're we're, we're, we're fans of records in our house they're, they are, yeah. they're absolutely they're a real Irish spud the record mm. lovely yellow flesh again easy to grow would suit they're a second early so if you plant them over the next couple of weeks and in the tunnel is great because you know whether it really doesn't matter you could plant them today if you want it um, they'll be ready for harvesting at the end of June as a second early you know early July so um, records could be certainly planted Orla Colleen foremost the Charlotte again if you wanted to try that Red Duke of York mm. any of those varieties would all do exceptionally well Love. in the tunnel early varieties and because that gives you an opportunity then to plant something else in the uh, towards the end of June to put in some salad crops or maybe some strawberries or something like that so you're taking the spuds out and reusing the area again for something else, tomato plants or something else in, in June. Okay. Now, I used my mum's dahlias flowers as cut flowers last August for okay. a special occasion and I'd love to start my own collection. Can I take slips from her plants and when and how do I do this? You can. Um, the, the easiest thing to do, well, first of all, to take slips of them, you'd really want to lift the dahlia. So some people lift them every winter and keep them inside, which is great because that allows you to split them. So you can divide... Uh, daily tubers mm-hmm. like you divide rhubarb or any any herbaceous plant so simply you, you put them in a bright location like I mentioned about the the potatoes mm-hmm. bright location get them to sprout and then with a sharp knife in a couple of weeks time you can split them into two or three pieces and if you split for example a white variety then that will always be true to type it'll always be white so this is the time of year to, 
to, to propagate dahlias. It's also the time of year to purchase maybe some new varieties. And so um, this is the time you'll see dahlia bulbs, tubers in garden centres and, and shops at the moment. And all the summer flowering bulbs like gladioli, lilies, they're all available now. Okay. So if you're thinking about summer colour, maybe a wedding coming up or a special occasion or whatever, then this is a really good time. And they're so easy to grow. And they flower for literally from July right through to November. So, you know, you can cut them right through the whole season. A couple of nice varieties. There's one called Boom Boom, which is easy to remember. Yeah. It's a brilliant red variety. And it has... Uh, it's like a pom-pom dahlia. You know what you, they use to yes. drum? You know the pom-pom? There'll be lots of pom-poms pom-pom. In, on show today. Right, So the exactly. So the pom-pom dahlia, that's a really nice one. Um, there's another nice one called Rebecca's World, which is a two-tone dahlia. So it's purple and it's white in the same flower. It's a really nice one. Big-headed dahlia, decorative dahlia, very large. The flowers are nearly the size of a saucer and really good for cutting so that would be nice boom boom the flowers are a lot smaller but you get a lot more flowers on them and within the dahlia family you've got the little pom-pom types you've got the cactus type which like cactus type like flowers you've got the decorative type which are nearly the size of a dinner plate so you've got a whole range of different varieties and different colours and they're a fantastic plant just for summer colour just for cutting or just for adding a bit of colour. They come in varieties that are short. So the really good one called Bishop of Landaff, which has got lovely purple foliage, dark purple foliage, um, like a copper beech. And it's got brilliant red flowers. So that's Bishop of Landaff. It's a really nice one. And um, there's loads of really good varieties. Um, but again, if you want summer colour, um, there's one another nice variety called Ball Fusion, which again is a pom-pom type, but it's a fusion of different colours. So you get purples and reds in, in the mix with that one. So... My advice is get a couple of daily tubers, pot them up indoors now, yeah. plant them out then about the end of April and you'll have lots of colour from June right through. So this is the time of year for considering summer bulbs, those that, whereas all the spring flowering bulbs, you should have planted uh, back in October, October November. November. Yeah. Now, somebody's got some planting and they've sent us in a, a picture, Porek, um, via WhatsApp. So uh, they've done some potting up in the shed uh, right. two weeks ago. So we've got poppy sweet pea larkspur and forget-me-not. Oh, fantastic. Um, so coming along nicely, you can see all the shoots there. Right. Um, should I start separating them now into, into, into individual ones in the seed trays? Mary is in Ballinam brilliant, that question. Brilliant. That's a great bit of work, Mary. And a great, yeah, a great job to, to be doing it, in yeah. the cold weather. Like, and that's a great, great thing of having a, a, you know, an area like a bright garage or a, a tunnel or a greenhouse. It just you can get a head start in the season. So, what Mary needs to do once the seedlings are roughly about two inches high, that's the time to transplant them. So, transplanting literally means just taking them out of the seed tray, separating them, and putting them into individual pots, or you can put them back into another seed tray full of compost. About forty plants to a standard seed tray is generally what or into individual pots if you've got plenty of room now with varieties like the sweet pea the other tip is to pinch them back so remove about an inch of the top growth just that encourages side branching and the more side branching you get on sweet peas the more flowers you get so don't leave them as tall lanky plants take out the very top so that's finger and thumb just nip out the very top or with a sharp scissors take out the very top half inch of the sweet pea um, larkspur you could also do that as well so once the seedlings are certainly when they've grown a couple of inches t- pinch out the very top growth and that'll end up in a bushier um, more branched plant with a lot more flowers on them the garage is perfectly fine bright location really um, and don't plant them out until about the early April so again keep them in now Sweet pea is a hardy annual. It will tolerate frost, but do keep them in a bright location 
Um, not nowhere too warm. You don't want it too warm, so relatively cool, plenty of light, and don't overwash them. Wash them, but maybe once a week at the most, and you'll have tons of colour this year. Great, Park. Uh, uh, on a less philosophical yes. note, somebody wondering: Is the garden centre open today? Uh, it, it sure <laughs> is. And look, at I have to say a big thanks to my own team because they're in today from half nine right through till six, and the Bailey Restaurant is open as well for people, and uh, the uh, Edinburgh Wool Mills. Yeah, it's full. Actually, we actually don't close until Ever. Christmas. No, we do. Christmas Day when they stop. So Christmas Day and uh, St. Stephen's Day. We work, we work all the way right through. Okay. So a, a big thank you to my own team and, and all our four centres. They're, 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 they're at it since half nine this morning. Well, good morning, everybody, and mm. a happy St. Patrick's Day to you all. Okay, um, more on the gardening front. Can we ask Porik if my flowering primulas need to be covered uh, or will moving the window boxes to a sheltered area protect them enough? Yes, I think moving them. And I, naturally enough, with the weather we've had, uh, primulas have been in flower early and they've also got damaged. The flowers that have been blooming have got marked and, and, and browned. Now, you can just simply just clean them up tidy them up there's plenty more flower buds to come the, the primula should stay in flower right until May late April early May so um, yeah great idea just move them into a more sheltered spot leave them there for a week or two and then put them back into the normal position again they'll be perfectly fine Fantastic. you don't need to cover them as such you don't you need know, to cover no. them okay does the Pieris Katsurum need acid soil acid? it does and all, everything in the Pieris family they both the white pearl and the Katsuru and forest flame they all enjoy an acid a lime-free soil. So that, hence they're great for planting in tubs and containers. You just simply get a, a small bag of ericaceous compost, bang it in, put in the plant and away it goes. Or if you've got acid soil in your garden, then they do exceptionally well. How do you know if you've acid soil? That's a great question. You can do a simple uh, test. Uh, 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 are we well, out with litmus, litmus, litmus paper or anything like that? Well, typically, like we, we, we chat, always chat about the blue hydrangeas and the pink hydrangeas. If you've yeah. got pink hydrangeas, you generally have alkaline soil. There's lime content in the soil. Now, to get a, 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 an accurate record, you can do a simple pH test. Yes. So you buy a little... A little, uh, testing unit in, the, in your local garden centre it only cost you a couple of euro you put a small sample of soil into that with a little bit of water you shake it up and depending on the colour of the water it will tell you whether it's alkaline or acid so presumably it goes pink or blue no, actually, no. <laughs> you're thinking of something completely different. I'm thinking of litmus paper blue litmus no, paper the go- it, it actually goes either I'm thinking of chemistry orange or yellow Okay. orange or yellow which is which Orange, you're trying to get to me out, aren't you, this morning? No, orange is, is acid, is acid, so it's lime-free, and yellow is high lime. Okay. And it'll have a very, you know, you get a, a chart with a variation of colour, with a, you know, a spectrum Flat. of colour. So it can be really, really, really orange, which is obviously Obviously very acid, right up to, you know, lighter shades, right up to green. So, going back to the question, the the Katsuru and everything in the Prieras family, they actually do require... Now, they they don't need a a very high acid soil. Mm. So, as I say, I I grow them in my own garden soil and it's it's probably neutral rather than... so, And they they grow quite happily. Um, So... But if you've got blue hydrangeas, they will do exceptionally well. And also the rhododendron that we featured, wine and roses, that needs acid soil as well. Okay. So hence they're great for, for tubs Thanks. and containers because you can control the soil they're in. Okay, whereas otherwise it's a, it's a bit of a free-for-all. Yeah. Now, um, we have somebody getting the area ready for veg and 
if you get the area ready for veg and cover with plastic, will that not kill the weeds? It will, absolutely. And and that's the second, the second. I did say there was two ways. <laughs> and I never mentioned the second way. So plastic, yes. Blast, black plastic, if you exclude the light. Again, same thing. Get the ridge ready. Get the soil ready. Cover it with black polythene. Okay. And leave it on for... You need to leave it on for about five weeks. One thing it will do is it will help to keep the soil dry. But secondly, it will the, the seeds will germinate underneath because there's no light; they'll just die away, and it's a, a great organic way of controlling the weeds as well. Now, can we ask Porik what to do with hebes that have gone very bare? There's not a lot really you can do. Hebes don't respond to hard pruning. So I did mention plants like buddleias and spireas and so on that you and dogwoods that you can be very severe and cut literally rootlessly to ground level every year. Hebes, on the other hand, as they get woody, they lose the ability to produce young growth from ground level so generally when they get very woody and untidy looking mm. really replace them would be my advice okay. to be honest to do take have, them out how, how, do they have a, a lifespan as such um, well, the, the, the trick is with hebes is yeah. if you prune them on a regular basis, a bit They'll, like I mentioned with the hedges, yeah. you actually keep them young and you'll have them forever. But if they're allowed to grow and they start to get woody, then the plant itself, every plant will sacrifice the growth at the base of the plant for the top new growth. So that legginess tends to come into conifers and it comes into plants like hebes. And unfortunately, they don't have the ability to... Now, you can try them if you wish. You can give them a hard trimming back and see whether they respond to it. Sometimes they may, but generally speaking, they don't respond to severe pruning. So my advice really would be, if you want, cut them back, feed them, see will they produce new growth at the base. But I'm, I'm guessing they're, they're, that's not going to happen and maybe replace them with something else. Okay. <laughs> Somebody says, you can be too nice to flowers. I had a pot and crocus, etc. in it and I brought it inside in the cold snap and they just fell over. So I left them out again and they jumped up again. There you so go. There you go. There you go. So you can be too and that's nice it. The plants. heat of the house just doesn't suit the crocuses. Yeah, there now, you go. Now, is it too early to sow strawberries in the tunnel? No, it's not. No, no. This, this is the time of year, actually. Ideally, strawberries should be outside for the winter and then brought back into the tunnel in the springtime. And this is the time to get them in. So really, if you have them outside, just tidy them up, take off any old dead leaves, um, put them into a couple of window boxes or commercially, they actually grow them in gutters. You know, the, the aluminium gutters mm. we have around your house. Yes. They fill those with compost, hang them up and plant the strawberry runners into those and put in a little irrigation system on them. So strawberries will actually grow in quite shallow soils. So a window box is absolutely perfect or a raised bed or some containers or you can plant them in the soil if you wish on a little raised bed. So get them into the tunnel now. They'll come into flower by the middle of April. Make sure that the doors and windows are kept open to let the bees in to pollinate the flowers and you'll have delicious strawberries this oh, June. Is there anything nicer? Oh, they're lovely. Um... Any advice on controlling common wild ivy? It has taken over a large area of rough ground and all over the trees as well. Yeah. Ivy is interesting in that, um, you know, it's, 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 you know, do you like it, do you hate it? I think it's great because it's a great uh, habitat for nesting birds in particular. And I think I mentioned before, I have some grown on, on the garage wall and there must be eight or ten birds nesting in it this spring. Mm-hmm. Um so it's like any plant, you know, when, when it's a plant, a weed, it's a weed when it's in the wrong place. The, the, the pro- problem sometimes with ivy, particularly on trees, and particularly trees that are close to driveways or roadways, during the winter period, and we saw it particularly this year, a lot of the trees that fell this year were clad in ivy, because ivy like, acts like a sail in the winter. It catches mm. the wind and often pulls branches down. Now, it's not parasitic. It doesn't feed on the trees. It uses the tree for support. And what's interesting about ivy, you can grow it as a ground covering plant. And if it grows as a ground covering plant, it won't flower. 
it won't produce any flowers. Yeah. So the plant knows that it's actually grown at ground level and will not produce flowers. But if it's grown on a wall or in the trunk of a tree, as soon as it reaches the height at the top of the wall, it starts to bloom. Isn't that amazing? Okay. So if you plant it on a tree that's 30 feet high, it won't flower until it gets 30 feet to the top <laughs> of the tree. And it, it, the, tr- the plant knows itself it can't go any further. If the same ivy is growing on a three-foot wall, as soon as it gets to the height of the wall, it'll start to flower. And it's a great bee plant because the flowers are produced in October, November, and the bees have nothing else to feed on. So ivy honey is, is um, very important for the beekeeping. So ivy, it can be a pet hate mm-hmm. and it and can be a, a, a wonderful plant as well. So how do you get rid of it? If it's growing up a tree, my advice is to cut it at ground level. So just cut the stems, go round with a, with a sharp axe or a saw and just cut it at ground level. Let it reshoot at ground level and then spray that and kill it off. Mm. So you can use SBK, brushwood killer to control it but do allow it to regrow first of all before you treat it the portion on the tree itself will die anyway because you've severed it at at ground level if it's growing as a ground covering plant you know only if it's in the way would I get rid of it I mean it it covers the ground it's a great ground covering plant in my view I'd often plant it on banks and slopes to cover the ground Um, so but if again if you want to get rid of it then SBK is, is the treatment to be used but do remember it's a great plant particularly for nesting birds um, and it's a, particularly the ornamental varieties are fantastic climbers for covering walls. They're evergreen. They're easy to grow. They're so trouble free. So it's serving lots of purpose Absolutely. in its own right. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. but yeah. I suppose so it, do, it does depend on where it is and what you want. It is. It. And in the winter time, I would often advocate that certainly the it should be controlled in areas where trees are overhanging roadways or driveways or whatever, because it can cause problems with trees. It adds it can add up to a ton of weight to a standard okay, tree. tree. Right, okay, and, and can cause all kinds of damage. Yeah, then, particularly in winter. When things get windy. It doesn't let the winter or the wind filter through. So it, can't, it acts like a sail and pulls, can pull branches down. Now, Moira is in Connemara and she tells us that her lilies are all gone busty after the snow. Also, Kianathes, Kianathes? Canis, probably the canna lilies. Yeah, oh, that's probably it. Canna lilies. Gone yeah. brown. What do I do now? Yeah, and, and things like the, it's the arum lily that uh, the listener is chatting about. And, and in a mild winter right up to Christmas, they were lovely and green and healthy. And when we get heavy frost or uh, snow the, the foliage gets damaged the plant itself is perfectly fine so just tie, go out today if you want or in the next mm-hmm. couple of days tidy them up and um, just rake off any of the dead leaves take any weeds or grass that's around the base of the arm lily and give it a feed put on a rose feed or put on the osmo onto it now and that'll help to green it up within a couple of weeks it'll be back to itself again canna lilies are a little bit more tender now, they are very attractive, beautiful foliage, lovely flowers, but they can be a little bit tender. Now, the, I don't think the frost in Connemara was severe enough to, to damage them. Right. They will reshoot again. So, again, the same procedure, tidy them up, give them a feed, and they'll be fine right. by April and May of this year. Okay, perfect stuff. And very finally, uh, we have a forest flame that has lost its flame, says Colm. <laughs> lost its flame. Yeah. Well, it depends. I mean, Just remember that forest flame is, again, it's it's in the Pieris family, the, like Katsuru and White Pearl. It does need the acid soil. Okay. If it's going a bit yellow, that's yeah. a sign that the, you might have lime in the soil. So get yourself an ericaceous feed. Pop into your local garden centre, ask them for a specific feed for rhododendrons, camellias and forest flame. And it's called ericaceous fertiliser. Simply sprinkle it around the base and you'll rejuvenate that plant and bring it back into colour again. Okay. Just needs a good feed. We're going to leave it there, Porrick. Thank you very much. Uh, happy 
national holiday. And next week, I'm, I'm actually going. Next week, I'm going to feature our lawn care. Our lawn care I've yeah. been out this week uh, with Loretta Carden in in Enniskroen, and uh, this morning, believe it or not, up with Jerry in in Kilchma here doing his okay, lawn. Excellent. And we're going to somebody else later on today, so we'll have a great so, feature okay, next week. So we're gonna ha- we're gonna compile some of Comp- the, all lawn some, care, some of that yeah. that live stuff, and uh, have it on the program. We next will week. indeed next week. Okay. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Uh, do stand by. Coming up next, we have a very special St. Patrick's Day uh, programme, Asguelga, uh, with Tommy Marin, I think. And then Michael Neary coming your way after 11 this morning with Country Classics. That's my lot for today. Have yourselves a really good weekend and we'll talk to you all going well again next Saturday morning, just after 7. Good evening. Sloan.